Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Oh man, I'm so excited about our series and where we're at. And we're, we're right in the middle of Romans here, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And we're just going to dive in. So one of the things I want us to do before we uh, really start in verse 1 is just get some review. There are some important words that I want everyone to understand and, and, and uh, as we move forward. So the first one here, just in our little note cards, is grace. Everybody sees the grace, right? Boom, Pastor Mark's biceps again. Uh, is the power of God working in and through you, but I want you to get this too. It is also, the foundation of this is in unmerited favor. Okay, so without you doing anything, you receive this free gift from God of power, in the Holy Spirit, it's not earned or done by your works, okay? That's grace. So we want to make sure we understand this foundation of grace that's working in our life. Okay, here's the next one. We have faith. This is going to be a big part of the topic today. Um, faith is the trust and confidence that comes as a natural response to God's faithfulness. So think about it like this, okay? So I have faith in God's nature, so God's nature is never changing. It doesn't waver. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So when I have faith, my faith increases in God. It's my trust that increases in him because of how faithful and never changing he is. So when I have faith for something or operate and then God follows through, my trust in him grows and expands. That's how my faith grows. It's a relationship, and James teaches us that faith is by works. So it's like, I believe and I try, I believe and I do, and then God's faithful. He does what he always says he's going to do. So I lean into him, and he's rock solid steady, and so then my understanding of who he is expands. So it's a result of experiencing the faithfulness of God. Does it make sense? So when we're talking about faith today, we're talking about grace today, we're going to talk about justification a little bit. Mark did a great job talking about justification last week. Just as if you have never sinned. That's how we remember justification. Made right. I am made right. He does the work. He makes me right because the price was paid and the penalty removed. So Jesus is the one who justifies. Makes you as if you never have sinned. Can I get a shout? Woo! That's a good thing right there. Right? That we are made right. We don't have to make ourselves right. Reconciliation is the next one here. Restoration to the divine favor being brought back from prison or bondage by a power greater than what kept me bound in prison. We see this boomerang. Huh? Yeah, you didn't realize spiritual boomerangs they exist <laughs> the boomerang is like i was in relationship so in the garden we were in perfect relationship with god and then through our sin and our fall we get cast out so now romans one two three scary chapters all right we went through all those if you didn't hear them you should go back and see them to really point out this fact that without christ without being justified without his love and his sacrifice, we are sinners, and we have missed the mark, and all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and so the wages of sin is death. We are separated from God in our sin. In fact, we're going to talk about today is how it's actually hostile towards God, which is a really interesting thing to think about, but 
but this concept of reconciliation is we fall away from God, and when we're out there and the boomerang's out, right, we're against God. But God's heart for us is for us to return. So reconciliation is this coming back, pulling us back out of prison, back into right relationship. But only the power greater than us, only God's power could ever do that. He makes us back in right relationship. You can say it. That's rad. Just say it. That's rad. I don't care if you're from the 80s or not. It's rad. Grow out your mullet. Understand reconciliation and say it's rad. Just do it. Ride a skateboard, whatever you got to do. That's rad. Restoration by divine power puts us and brings us back into right relationship. How beautiful. And I want to just set the framework for this. Is there's a cool parable, and it's a parable of the lost son. And the son is with the father, and he has everything he needs in, fa- in the father's household. And, and he decides he wants to go try it on his own. And so he takes his inheritance and all that God had given, his father had given him, and he goes out and he squanders it and wastes it. He's that boomerang being thrown out, choosing to go out in sin. And he wastes it all, and he's caught in the slop and all of this stuff. And then, that, then, then he runs out of his own strength, and he's like, oh, God, I just want to be back in my father's house. Even if I'm just a slave, even if he just lets me sleep in the shed, it's going to be better than this. Remembered how good it was. What he had came from, this is reconciliation. And he comes back, and when he was afar off, the father sees his son afar off. And you know what he does? This is what I want you to get today. Is the heart of the father looks at the son, and he runs to the son. He runs to him and he puts a robe on him and he says, my son, you've been lost and now you're found. He puts a ring on him. It's the heart of God for his people in reconciliation. This is what we need to see when we come across this word. We understand this. this, He's drawing us back. And he's so many times when we think about this, we think about Maybe how our parents treated us, and maybe I was a worse kid than you, okay? And my dad's like, well, after you did that, I might let you back in the house. Maybe. (laughs) But tonight, you're sleeping in the woodshed. (laughs) Come on, nobody's been that bad. Just me. (laughs) My dad didn't literally say that to me, but that's what it felt like. How many of us are feel that way? We'll get into that space where you're like, well, I'm let back in the house, but I go to sleep on the floor. Some parents I've heard they take the doors off their rooms, they pull their beds out, you know, they're like, you're gonna earn all this stuff back. <laughs> I'm not saying that's wrong in parenting, okay? But that's not how God is with us. Judgment-free zone, man. I understand. Parenting's hard, you gotta figure it out. But that is not how God treats us. He is coming for us, He's the Father that's running. To you, and he's like, get the robe on this guy. You don't get to earn it. You're sleeping in the good bed tonight. That's reconciliation. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You ready to dive in? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Pause. Sometimes there's a passage earlier on that we read in Romans where it's talking about the hostility towards God. It goes on to talk about it again. Uh, later in this is chapter between 9 and 11, okay? But that we're actually enemies of God in our sin. And, and it's like there's a war that's waging on. You know, there's a war that's waging on. 
And it didn't actually start with you. You're like, how can I have peace with God? Is God like attacking me or after me? And so many times we think about God being after us or attacking us. It is not what's happening. That is not what happened. Lucifer was an angel, a fallen angel, who rallied a third of the angels and fell from heaven because he wanted to overthrow God himself. He got a reality check. And God cast him from heaven. All right? And in that space, he became the enemy of God. And he's the one who deceived Adam and Eve and, and, and caused us to believe a lie, right? He influenced us to believe a lie, and then we fell. And when we fell, guess whose team we joined? His team. Okay, so we picked up arms, picked up guns against God. God is defending his kingdom, his kingdom of peace, his kingdom of righteousness, his kingdom of joy, all right? He is protecting and defending it, and when we're in sin, born into sin, we're on Lucifer's team with guns trying to storm the gates. Okay. okay, so when there's peace, when he says we have peace with God, Christ comes in, justifies us, forgives us, heals us, sets us free. We're forgiven now, okay? So when we're forgiven, what happens is we now take our guns and there's a ceasefire. But God's not the one with guns. We're the one with guns. We set our guns down. And then he lets us in. We were enemies. And now there's peace with God. Just let it soak in just a little bit. Peace with God. Because you have a ceasefire by the work that he did in you. You were an enemy. And he loved you and he came after you to set you free from the prison of holding your weapon against him. You can say it again, that's rad. But it's Jesus' radness, not mine, his radness. He's amazing. Unbelievable that he would do this, take his enemies and, and, and fill them with his righteousness and redeem them and restore them and bring them back into a peaceful relationship with him. Verse two, through whom we have gained access by faith into grace in which we now stand. This is such a fantastic, small, little phrase, but it is so packed. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace. Gained access. This whole concept is, is amazing. Okay, so um, how many, you know, in, in, in now in like, you know, America, this has gone throughout all world history, is that there's like the VIP club, right? I mean, I, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many in your past days, hopefully, you were like clubbers, you're like into clubbing. You guys know what clubbing is? It's like not clubbing people with bats and stuff. Clubbing is like they go out to dances and they want to be in the in crowd and it's like the <laughs> environment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no one's wearing enough clothing, apparently. They're all going into these spaces with music and dancing. But here's the thing, like I only know about this because of movies because I didn't grow up this way. In Nikiski, there are no clubs. <laughs> okay, so like... I would feel like, okay, everybody wants to be on the in crowd. You go to the big cities, New York, Seattle, Chicago, uh, L.A., whatever. They have, like, the really VIP clubs where, like, the famous people hang out, and, and uh, they have this little velvet rope, right? And, and I don't know why it's always got to be velvety. At least in the movies, it's velvety. That's as close as I've ever gotten as a movie. There's always these giant bouncers wearing these, like, Shirts, you know, like tuxes and dressed up, and then you like coming and they're looking at you and going like, you either are VIP enough or not. 
And they start shuffling people. Only the good of the good go in because that's all their money and revenue is that the important people are only allowed in and so that everybody wants access. Everybody wants access. The VIP space. Okay? All right. That's how it is in the world. But we're talking about access to VIP space in the kingdom. And so in the kingdom, the thing that was the veil, the velvety rope, was actually the veil between the holy of holies and the holy place when we were in the temple. And in the temple, there was this giant veil. You can imagine it was just enormous and it was super thick, okay? And, and, and the only person that was the VIP of VIPs that was allowed inside that space where the full, they call it the Shekinah glory of God, would come down. The manifest presence of God would show up inside behind the Holy of Holies, behind this veil. And only one dude, one time a year, a priest who was basically like the super priest, he was allowed to go in there. Bouncers at the door were angels instead. Dudes that did it wrong died. They tied a string to their leg and drug them out. That's not the kind of club. That's risky business. We want to be, listen, we want to be in the fullness of the power of God's presence, right? So this is the amazing thing that Jesus did. When he died for us and he justified us, he, when he gave his last, last breath, it says that he tore, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And full access is now granted to all of us who believe. Wouldn't you want to be the angel that got to go up and like, tear that veil? Somebody got that assignment. (sighs) Wish that was me. Yes! (laughs) I mean, can you imagine who got to tear the veil? That angel's like, even if that's the only thing you got to do is like, dude, I tore the veil. Jesus sent me to tear the veil. (laughs) Totally awesome. I'm living in that moment the rest of my life. Okay. (laughs) God gives, I mean, how cool is that? God gives us access. How does he give us access? It says right here, he says, by faith. You want to get into the VIP club? It's the ticket you get. Isn't how cool you look? Isn't your, if you have hair or not, like me, right? I'm out. If it's a hair club, I'm out. Hair club, not for men. All right? It's by faith. It's not the tall guy, the short guy, the white guy, the black guy, the Asian person, the, well, it doesn't matter. It's by faith. He says, all people, I want everybody. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in my sight. I never even really seen a true yellow person, only except... Or a, I saw a purple person on uh, Charlie and Chaga Factory once, but okay, we're really just different shades of awesome. That's what I think. Listen, access. How are we gain access? Faith by faith only. There's no other way. By faith through grace. Ooh, I get in. When I trust in the nature of God, who he is, his sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice for me, when I trust in that, that's when I get to go in. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's all you need. Jesus, you're my Lord. I trust in you to save me from my sin. I want you to forgive me for my sin and help me to lay down my weapons towards you. I want to be on your team. You do that, boom, we get access. Hey, I get inside the club. I can barely get in because the doors are sticky. Here we go. I'm in. It's easier and it's not that hard, actually, in reality with Christ. Okay, 
Then here's another amazing thing that happens. It says we gain access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Okay, so this whole phrase, phrasing here is now in which we stand, it means to be made to stand. And this concept has this understanding that we're actually fixed in and it's permanent. So I have some beautiful little concrete boots here, all right, that I get fixed into. You see, do we have a photo there? See, look, that's poured concrete right there. So in the grace, we're like poured in. The grace is the what? The power of God. That we access, we're actually, we get the gate, we gain access by faith. But then I'm made to be put in here. I'm made in, fixed in. Whoop. Yeah, I fell over last service. You want to see it. You want to see it, you know, but I'm going to be more careful this time. I'll probably break my legs. I'm a cemented in two shoes. You're made, fixed in, placed in by God's grace. Just imagine some giant angels or the Holy Spirit himself just picking you up and setting you into his grace. You can't get out. Okay, we're just going to stay here for a second. You're like, is he getting out of the boots? I'm not getting out of the boots. Let's relax. <laughs> They're warm in there. Nice. But I'm fixed in. There's so much anxiety in our relationship with Jesus. In our relationship with God. So many times we have just this anxious life of, am I in or in the club or am I out of the club? And is the power of God with me? Does God's grace and presence lead me or is it with me? No, listen, you are fixed in. In. It's poured in. You can't get out. You don't get out. You don't want out. And you want to be in this fixed, permanent place. And your access ticket to be fixed in or set in, this word is actually imputed, which is kind of a big Bible word, but it means it's all done to you, for you, now in you, or you are placed in it. Okay, so in this context, Imputed can be either put inside you or you put in it because it's finished and completed. Justified, made right just as if you'd never sinned. Reconciled, brought back into perfect relationship with God. Fixed in, now access to the full power of God moving in and through you and you didn't earn it. Can I get an amen? Come on. You're fixed in. All right. We want a paradigm shift. Access shift where we shift who we think we are and how we know we are. Let's pray. Close your eyes for one second. Father, change me. Come on, say this. Father, change me. Change the way I think. Change the way I see you. Oh, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and understanding of your grace moving in and through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly into the throne room of grace where we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Not when we're perfect, not when we measure up. We get access by faith only, not by perfectness. Jesus was perfect so we don't have to be, amen. Verse two, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is a super cool thing. We're gonna brag about something. 
You know you get to brag about something? You're like, finally. It's all this be humble stuff. I get to brag about something finally. You get to boast about the, the glory of God moving in your life. And it's the hope. It's what you get access to. Hope is this cool word. And I don't want to spend too much time. There's so much to get in this whole passage. But hope is this amazing thing. of it's When we have faith, is mixed with hope all the time. So the faith is the trust in who God is, right? But the hope is the gap between where we are and where we're not. And so I have this hope in that all this is going to work out. That I'm really going to be saved. That what, but, but until I actually die and go to heaven and encounter the fullness of salvation, right, the completion of it, that hope is still going to be there. But I'm trusting in what's fixed, what is done, and, and I have that hope in that space. And so it's beyond just a feeling. You got more than a feeling. I <laughs> know, I won't do it, I won't do it. <laughs> oh, you're thinking it. It's better if you just imagine it. Okay. That hope is we trust in it. it it's connected to our faith. And it's always going to be there until God closes the gap. And he will. You can trust in that. But this boasting word is a fun word because it really means rejoice uh, or, or to just be so pumped up about. But it's also in a little bit of a braggadocious kind of way. So it's kind of all of that stuff. So we're rejoicing and celebrating with exuberance that, that in that hope, like, we're just so pumped about the glory of God and what he's doing in and through our life. And we just boast about the glory of God, what he's done, who he is, and how awesome he is, and what he's done to us, for us, in us. Not only so, verse three, but we also glory in our sufferings. Say what? You get a boast and glory in your suffering. Yikes. Yikes. That doesn't sound awesome. But because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay. So. How do we swallow this pill of rejoicing in, right, suffering? How do we do that? How are we gonna, how are we gonna like take this thing down? This is a big pill to swallow. You ever show up to the doctor and he's like, hey, to get well, you need to take this gigantic horse vitamin. <laughs> I know these experiences, you're like, are you kidding me? I'm going to eat that. <laughs> no way that's going down. Okay, that's how I feel about this passage right now. <laughs> it's like going to the doctor and you need a vitamin. And he's like, hey, this is a big pill to swallow. But you need to get it. Because this vitamin is going to bring life to your life. It's going to bring life to your soul, to your body. You need to get this. Because guess what? Suffering happens. We experience hard things. The reason Paul goes after this space is because hard stuff is happening on, around us all the time. And we're fixed into this grace. We're fixed into this power, this love relationship with God. And 
Hard stuff is going on, and it's hard to reconcile that sometimes. He says, listen, you're going to glory in the fact that God is doing something amazing inside of you. We're going to boast in that. We're going to rejoice in the work that he's done, the completed work. And you're going to also learn to rejoice in the fact that he's doing something in you when everything around you is falling apart. (laughs) Big pill to swallow. Let's read it in the Amplified Version of the Bible. It's going to help us. Moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our suffering. Whoa. Let us do that like we're going to stand. Joy is a position in Christ. And it generates a feeling. It generates a response. As I stand in the joy of God, it's because I know I'm in an immovable space that no one can take from me. And no matter what happens around me, the the joy of the Lord is that I always win. His presence never leaves me because of how awesome he is. So I find joy in that. And even in that, I can experience happiness that comes from joy, excitement that comes from joy. But it's not based on my circumstances around me. It's based on what I'm fixed into right here, right? Does that make sense? So moreover, let us be full of joy now, not all be joyful when this thing happens and the suffering ends. Let us exalt and triumph. We're going to triumph, overcome in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. So many times, we get a little bit skewed in how we think about suffering. There's a couple roads that we can take, and one of them is kind of a sick road. And, and you know, how many you know we can be a little bit sick as human beings? We can behave sickly. We're like, oh, I, I love to see that person suffer. They're finally getting what they deserve. Sicko. That's sick. <laughs> that's, that's, that's messed up. That's actually, this is a hard word, but that's actually evil. And we need to recognize that kind of evil in our hearts. Because there's times when we're like gl- glad that somebody's suffering. Or we think it's a little bit, kind of a little bit less evil, but it's still bad, where we're like, well, that suffering around them is they're in Jesus, it's producing something good in them. I'm so glad you're suffering. Like, I'm glad, I'm sorry, son, but you need to suffer. You just need to suffer because God wants you to suffer. Not right in the head. There's something messed up about that. So look at this. And you can go to, we'll, we'll come back to reading these passages here, but let's go to the slide that says, we rejoice in, it says, we rejoice in, not because of. We rejoice in, not because of suffering. Let's process here for a second. When I'm in suffering, I can trust God's going to produce something in me. I can trust in him to produce something in me. I'm not rejoicing because of the suffering happening to me or happening to others. 
I'm rejoicing that, man, when you are suffering, thank God you have Jesus. Thank God you have the power of God getting you through it. Thank God you have peace that passes all understanding. See, this is the kind of joy that goes beyond your understanding. This is the kind of power of God that goes beyond your understanding. Because it's him working in your suffering. But never should we rejoice that someone is suffering or suffering's happening to them and say, well, at least God's doing something in them finally. Let's adjust. And I'm not trying to judge you or pick on you, but if, that has, if you've been in that camp, you should be able to feel that if the Holy Spirit's living in you. Ooh, yeah, that's not right. I need an adjustment. Let's do an adjustment. God, will you change the way we think? Will you change the way we see one another and how we love each other? And in the midst of our suffering, God, we would find hope that you are rescuing us and saving us ultimately from all the sin, sickness, disease, death, loss around us. Oh, we're fixed into you. We're fixed into your presence and your grace by faith in what you have done. God, change our thinking. Make us healthy and lovers of people in Jesus' name. Amen. You see how there's just a shift? Just even being just a little off? We feel like we're close, but we're just a little off. Can destroy relationships and actually cause people to give up, give up and despair. But it says there is no despair or shame on you. There's only hope in that suffering. It's not like, well, you really stunk it up and oh, this is going to be bad. Can't wait to watch you suffer. No, there's a hope in this process. Is it okay? Suffering is happening. Troubles are happening. But it goes on and it says that I'm going to rejoice in that suffering knowing that pressure, this is still verse 3, pressure and affliction and hardship produces something. Woo! There's pressure. Anybody ever feel pressure in your life? Affliction and hardship, it produces patience and unswerving endurance see when God when you trust in him in the midst of all this stuff he makes you unswerving one time I was driving my car down the road I was coming back from a retreat and uh, I was coming back on the turning an arm and a giant rock falls on my car I'm going 65 I'm praying in tongues having an awesome time with Jesus and I look up and I see this rock and it's like I mean I see a black thing I'm like Oh, what's that? Second later, boom, the thing blows up on my hood. Almost kills me. Going 65. I'm praying in tongues. I did let out a little swear word. I'm going to be a little honest right now, <laughs> which is so amazing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a swearer. Like, I swore when I was not a Christian, but I prayed in tongues for four straight days almost. And the first thing I do is swear. Sorry, Jesus, forgive me. But the one thing I didn't do was swerve. I'd been dead. Oncoming traffic in the summer, big rock cliff wall here. If I would have just went, ah, or ah, <laughs> I'd have been like, toast. But in the presence of God with the pressure, the affliction, the hard things happening, God can make us and strengthen us in a way where we're unswerving. It's like when the trouble comes and blows up on our car, we just, just drive right through it. We go, I got the joy of the Lord. It's my strength. Not the circumstances. And that creates a, 
endurance inside of me. It says a fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith, and tried integrity. I want some of that. So that's when the suffering happens. You know God's going to produce this stuff, and that's how you get hopeful. And character of sort produces the habit of joyful, confident hope of eternal salvation. Come on. I want a habit of, of joyful and confident hope. Like I'm excited. I'm not depressed and all bummed out and like, Oh, so terrible. Oh, the suffering is so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that God is overcoming and triumphing over all these circumstances in my life because of how good he is and how much I trust in him. Such hope, verse five, never disappoints or deludes or shames us. Wow. When we put this kind of hope, it's never shame on you or disappointing you or it gets soft and deluded and less powerful. For God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Woo. And how about some more of that pouring out of his love? See, the more you're fixed into the position with him, even like we're worshiping today, the more of his love just begins to be poured out into our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, just pour it out on me, Lord. I'm ready. It's today's sound effects day, apparently. <laughs> okay, let's, let, we're, we're going to just truck into here, and I'm going to finish up here talking about reconciliation, verse 6. So you see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, lacking the power, you're lacking the power to overcome any of this suffering, overcome any uh, of your own sin that separated you from God, just at the right time, that word is the kairos moment, the perfect time, divinely appointed by God, Christ died for the ungodly. Not the perfect, not the, not the all put together, not the VIP that gets in because he could do it on his own. He died for the ungodly, that's you and me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. So even a good person. Though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. And look here, he says, since we have now been justified by his blood, verse nine, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. So we were his enemies, remember? If when we were in that space, we are reconciled to him by the death of Jesus. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. So he dies, and that was enough to pay the price for all of our sin. But think about even how much more we're fixed in and how much more permanent it is that he rose. He came alive and he overcome, came death. He triumphed over death. And how much more now you being fixed in him by faith do you get to overcome death? Come on, brought back. You're that prodigal son. You're pushed out like a boomerang, thrown out. And he's just saying, come back. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to sleep on the floor. You don't have to be second rate. You just come back, son. Come back, daughter. I'm running to you. I'm putting the robe on you. I, I'm putting the ring on you. It's time for you to come back. You're my son. That's the Father's heart for you. That's reconciliation. Come back into relationship with me. So beautiful. Because I'll do all the work. I'll clean you up. I'll wash you up. I'll clean off all the pig slop off of you. Just come back. 
and he won't even be reprimanded. You're gonna be celebrated. That's reconciliation. Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And you might be here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, but Jesus is saying, I wanna reconcile with you. I wanna be your father. I wanna bring you in to relationship with me. It's time, it's time. He says all you gotta do is open your heart and receive. But just take a second. Can everybody in the church, especially those who just gave your heart to Jesus, just turn your hands up to heaven. Everybody just keep your eyes closed if you can. Just even turn your palms up. You don't have to reach your hands up or anything. Just turn your palms up to heaven and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me up right now. Oh, fill me up. Fill me with your presence right now. Fill me up, God. I want you, Lord. I want all that you have for me. Come on, just say it with your words. I need more of you, God. I'm not satisfied. I want to be filled. I want to be filled with your love, with your presence, Jesus. I want to be reconciled and experience, Father, you just putting your robe on me and just loving on me. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Father, love on me. Oh, Lord, let your love just waves, God, of your Holy Spirit love just come in. Father, let your love just identify each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Love you, Jesus. Just keep loving on him. Love you, Lord. I love you. I'm not done loving on you, God. I just press in and I just receive you. Change me. Fill me. Heal me, God. There's people here today, there's bondage. There's some things you've been needing breakthrough from. And your heart, I see the Lord saying, your heart, I see your heart, my daughter, my son. And your heart is good. And I know you want breakthrough. And the Lord's just saying, it's time for some breakthrough. I want to give it to you. Okay, if that's you, if that's you, just say, Jesus, set me free. I receive your breakthrough. You do it to me. I can't do it myself. Do it to me. I give up. I just cast myself into your arms. Set me free. And so, Father, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I speak breakthrough over your people. Those that have been wayward or lost or struggling, I just call them back into the kingdom and I break off every assignment from the enemy over their life and I speak breakthrough over their life right now in Jesus' name. Shelter, uh, protection over their life, God. Healing and transformation from addictions, from uh, uh, just overwhelming uh, sorrow, God. I just pray for joy to begin to fill their hearts right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Your love is so good. Your love is so present. You're worth it, God. You're worth it. And every relationship that needs to be given up so that I can pursue you, Father, I just, I just throw them, I give them up right now. Come on, if that's you, you know there's relationships that are holding you back. The Lord's talking to you specifically, okay? This is a, what they call a word of knowledge. He's talking to you, not just everybody. There's relationships that you know are holding you back and not taking you to your destiny. It's time to let them go. Not be mean to them, but it's time to move on and not fellowship and be close. So, Lord, in, in Jesus' name, we just, we just give up our relationships to you. We trust you. We press into our relationship with you, Jesus. 
and those people that are holding us back, we pray they would come to know you and they would have a radical encounter with you. But God, we're moving on. We're stepping into deeper waters with you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, let your love and your presence just wash over your people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.